Hey dads, you are listening to Alba Father Podcast, where we discuss how the Bible and theology informs and equips us as parents. We believe that the more we learn about our Heavenly Father and apply His teachings, the better it makes us as dads. In this episode, we are going to be diving into a series that we call Bad Dad. It's when we mess up and we learn from our Father how to make it right. I'm Matt. I'm Brando. And I'm Cameron. In this episode, we're going to be talking about anger. All right, so story time. My kids hate bedtime because they're very unusual kids. All other kids (laughs) love bedtime, I know. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hands down. But when I try to put my kids down for bed, uh, they throw a fit. Um, Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's... um, pretty animated. Usually what it is, is they are constantly asking for a drink or a snack or to go get something, or there's always an excuse to get out of the bed. Um, Mow the lawn. Yeah. (laughs) They would wash the dishes. They'd do anything to, to get out of the bed. And at this point in the evening, usually I'm very tired. Um, And I'll use that as the excuse right now, but uh, I'm very tired. And I don't want to put up with it. They were, I was particularly tired and peeved and they were particularly uh, resistant to bedtime. And so a great deal of shouting took place um, because I have three kids. The two older ones do fine. Usually the youngest is only a year old. And, and what gets me the angriest is when uh, the two older ones start messing with the baby when he's just about to fall asleep and they're like, Hey Gideon, or like they just poke him. And, uh, so that was going on. So a great deal of shouting. Um, and at one point I, I, uh, I took the sippy cup that my child was drinking and just threw it on the ground with a lot of force and it broke and water went everywhere. And, uh, I'm not proud of that moment, but in that moment, um, my wife came in and said, you have to leave now. Oh, man. And so (laughs) I hung my head in shame and walked out of the room. And uh, that's just one of many stories that I could tell of me losing my temper uh, on my kids. The scariest part, saddest part about me having a temper that I lose so often is... I see the temper cropping up in my oldest, especially Anna and Ella, the, the middle child. I see them both um, just raging out on each other uh, when they get m- even minor inconveniences to- from the other one. And uh, it's really convicting, and it really um, hurts my heart to see my kids following in those footsteps of mine. Um, Mm. And uh, it's really, it's a struggle. Uh, As you guys know, the rest of the uh, podcast audience doesn't know this, but uh, one of my nicknames in in college was Angry Brando because I've always kind of struggled with with an anger issue. Anyways, that's the story. Is anger... um, gets a hold of me and 
and makes me a bad dad. Um, and I, I'll be honest, everybody out there wrestling with this, even now, I'm hoping Matt and Cameron will have some, some help for me is, is what I'm hoping. Uh, so there you go. Well, I got to say from the beginning that you're not, you're not alone. Um, in this struggle, you're not alone. Um, spiking sippy cups might not be the common denominator, but we, uh, I know for me personally, I do struggle with anger as well, Brando, and uh, shouting from time to time and crushes you to see those outbursts in your kids because their sin is their sin and my sin is my sin, but as their father, if I'm introducing that to them in their adolescence and they're just seeing that and then repeating it, boy, there's nothing quite as no feeling quite that bad as, as witnessing that in, in your kids. Brandon, what was the reaction of the kids from the spiked sippy cup? Are they, are they afraid to take a sippy cup to bed and now? No, um, my kids are, they're very resilient. That's one great thing about kids. Uh, And maybe part of it is that they know dad has a temper. And so maybe if there's a redeeming quality in it, my anger is the most, um, it's the most obvious sin that I have in my, in the house. Like I have other sin, but it's the one that, Everybody sees, really obviously, and uh, it gives me a chance to um, model repentance and and godly sorrow for them. And I, I come to them. I came to them. Even I took a few minutes to, to cool off, and I came to them a few minutes later and just asked for their forgiveness uh, for losing my cool and screaming at them and and. Um, and they were very quick to, to offer forgiveness. Um, and I have noticed that even when I go over the top, um, they, when I am at, when I come to them humbly and ask for forgiveness and tell them, you know, daddy was wrong. I should not have done that. I, I sinned against you. I sinned against God. They are always quick to forgive me. And so do they have some kind of fear from that? Maybe. I don't, it doesn't seem like they do. They seem to be, well, I'll tell you, if they do have fear, it's not keeping them from acting any better <laughs> at bedtime. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got to say, um, personally, I don't, I don't feel like I have a short temper. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty level-headed um, in outbursts. Um, but I think where I, my flaw in anger, I skip, I skip right over Mm. anger and I go straight to bitterness and Mm. disappointment and outwardly show it. And, you know, if quest to me, bedtime isn't as much of a struggle. I don't know if it's our routine. I don't know if it's just our daughter, but dinner time is the most frustrating thing for me. And I, 
you know, if, if she just decides not to, you know, eat a certain food or something, or she says she's not hungry. And then five minutes later, she wants candy or something. I go straight to the, you know, bitterness route of just like, Oh, you said you weren't hungry. You're not eating anything tonight. Yep. I'm just, I just cut you out, you know? And I guess, you know, I don't, I don't know what, I mean, there's none of these situations are, are good, but I, I feel like, Maybe I, I, if I could just I get my anger out at that moment, maybe I could move on and be a little bit more gentle later. But that I just skip straight into, you know, being just bitter about it and almost being like, oh, everything's done. You know, where there's no turning back. You're not wanting to eat, so where nobody's eating. You know, and I feel like that that's also anger, but right. now it's gone to the next level where now I'm I'm using my 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 I'm using the expectation that was unmet in my eyes as a way to either harm her, keep her from food that she wants, you know, or to not satisfy, you know, the, um, a, a desire that she wants, you know, just because I have, she's let me down in some way. And even that, though it's not yelling and not throwing something, I am making her feel bad and making her feel shame and guilt for sinning against me for not doing what I want her to do. And, you know, I think there's something to be said about not just outbursts of anger and, and the verbal version of it, but also the silent anger of, you know, keeping, you know, closing off or keeping to yourself or just, you know, holding that bitterness, you know, whenever those expectations aren't met. Yeah, I think that might be something to to chat about for a minute or two is the idea of expectations not being met and like just trying to keep a a good median there of knowing that they're children. So even if you do make every expectation known to them, they're still just kids. But then for me, yeah, when I'm ignored or outright disobeyed, um, or, yeah, like, my standards not being met. That's when I can lose my cool so quickly. And yeah. um, what does that say about me? It means I don't have the control that I want. I'm not seen as the authority that I think I should be. And so it really just reveals that my heart, uh, my pride, my arrogance, my selfishness. And I can, I can try and put some seasoning on that and say, Oh no, it's, it's for their best. That's, that's why I have these expectations, but then my heart just springs forward with sin. Why do we have this expectation of our kids that they're going to be perfect? We know (laughs) that they're not going to be yet. We hold that standard over them in, in raising them. To, right. to try and reach as close to holiness and perfection as we can. And when they don't reach it, we're disappointed in that. Like that's, that should be pretty obvious to us, especially as we read the scripture that there is, there is no one that can follow the law and obey God. And um, we all fall short and we'll sin. And that includes our kids. Yeah. And uh, when they, and when they disobey us and they fall short or they sin against us, you know, we, we get so angry and so frustrated, but then we go right back and we're like, well, this is the same anger that God has when the Israelites <laughs> disobey him. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> Jesus flipped tables. I'm going to flip a table, you know, and then kind of justify it. Sure. Jesus got some whips out. Uh, maybe I should get some whips. <laughs> yeah, Jesus didn't. Use, if you want to emulate Jesus, don't 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 spike sippy cups. You got to break up the whips. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> this discussion um i found an article by john piper called killing anger um we really enjoy you know john piper articles um john piper in general and um this particular article um was published on uh, ligonier.org um, i'll include that in the the show notes and there's an also another article we're not going to go into detail on that and it's called doubt your own anger um, all from Desiring God um, Ministries. Um, but Piper's article, he gives actually nine steps on kind of tips on how to kill anger. And so I'm just going to just kind of read them here, and then we're going to follow it up with some scripture and then kind of discuss. So from Piper's point of view, he says, First, we need to ponder the rights of Christ to be angry, but then how he endured the cross and it, as an example of long-suffering. And he quotes 1 Peter 2.21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. And second, we need to ponder how much we have been forgiven and how much mercy we have been shown. Mm. Third, we need to ponder our own sinfulness and take the beam out of our own eye. Fourth, think about how you do not want to give place to the devil because harbored anger is one thing the Bible explicitly says opens a door to invite him in. Fifth, we need to ponder the fo- folly of our own self-immolation, that is, numerous detrimental efforts of anger to the one who is angry, some spiritual, some mental, some physical, some relational. Sixth, we need to confess our sins of anger to a trusted friend, as well as the offender, if possible. Seventh, we need to let the anger be the key to unlock the dungeons of pride and self-pity in our heart and replace them with love. Eighth, remember that God is going to work it all for your good as you trust in his future grace. Hmm. And ninth, remember that God will vindicate you, your just cause and settle all accounts better than you ever could. So he gives a lot of scripture um, to support these. Um, and you can find that in the article from the show notes. Um, but really, really fantastic articles um, from Desiring God and John Piper. That's really helpful because um, I find myself going to First John 1, 9 a lot, whether it's with our high school kids, college kids, or adults that I'm meeting with, counseling with, talking about sin in our lives, and just that faithful promise of God that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive them, to even not just forgive, but then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that's like the short version of all those nine things um, that 
yes, you can boil it down to First John one nine, but then that article makes it makes it uh, or elaborates on it rather to capture that reality that our hearts are deceitful above all else, and we can't trust our hearts. We can't follow our hearts because. It's not just going to be anger. There's arrogance within our anger so often. Um, our hearts are hardened, like Matt, you described earlier. Sometimes you skip uh, anger, but the doors, the door of anger is wide open anyways, and it just leads right to bitterness, unforgiveness, um, coldness. And so, uh, men, anger is, is a foothold. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the scripture has a metric ton to say about (laughs) anger. Um, Here's a quick sampling. Uh, James 1, 19-20 says, Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. Proverbs 22.24 and 25 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 16.32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Wow. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, etc., uh, etc., et lots of nasty things. And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, the Bible has much to say. Uh, God's word has much to say about anger and um, and has not a lot of good things to say about it. Uh, we do have a couple of examples where Jesus got angry. Um, we, as we were reading and, and discussing, we figured it'd be helpful to, to throw a few of those instances in there. Um, John 2. Jesus, it says the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Yeah, and then there's Mark 3, 5. Yeah, he looked around them at with anger, grieved at their hardness of hearts. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. It was really interesting. So a couple of thoughts about the, the scripture. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Proverbs quotes there. You know, Solomon um, mentioning it in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Um, 
the you know interesting thing about the Galatians one is, man, it is it is so easy to skip over that list and find the ones that we consider detestable, and okay. miss the ones that we have that we have in our own hearts, and then look at that and say, well, I don't have sorcery, I don't, I'm not a, a, a impure, I'm not. I'm not doing, I'm not drunk all the time and have orgies or, you know, but then we forget about jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, division, just division itself. You know, fits of, fits of anger is not thrown in there just haphazardly. This entire list are things that are works of the flesh. And we need to understand that at that same level of lust, is anger at the same level of orgies and drunkenness is anger because that's the flesh working within us. Probably the scripture here on this list that um, has been the gut punch to me uh, the most is Proverbs uh, 22, 24 and 25. It says, make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. You know, a little earlier, we had talked about seeing our own kids experience fits of anger. And uh, the scripture says to, to in a book about wisdom that you should not go with a man given to anger, lest you learn to be that way. And uh, we as fathers... I, I, as a father, am making it impossible for my children to obey this proverb and, and because they have to go with me. They have to uh, go with a wrathful man because I'm their dad. And uh, they can't be wise. And they're going to learn my ways and entangle themselves um, in a snare. And, uh, man, that's been a really hard scripture for me to read a lot. Um, and something you had said earlier, Cam, about, uh, I, I thought of Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Like a city with no walls in the ancient times was completely helpless. Any little guy could just run in there and cause havoc. Um, and when we, are given to anger and have no self-control. It's not specifically talking about anger, but it's talking about we have no self-control. Any little thing can come in and ruin our day. Like yeah. we have no walls around our life. Like my, my, my day can be completely ruined by a one and a half year old saying, I ain't going to go to sleep. And it's like, that's a pretty weak city. You know, that's a pretty lame <laughs> Lame dude. Um, Your walls are really low, dude. <laughs> yeah, because he's really short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also I think um, on top of that, for specifically for parenting, James one nineteen twenty, um, anger the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If we're trying to produce the output of a good disciple, a righteous little disciple of Jesus in our children, anger is not going to be a is not going to be the output right for them. It will not produce righteousness in their spirit. 
it'll produce shame and guilt and maybe lead right. to their own fits of anger, their own rivalries, decision in divisions and, and works of the flesh, because the works of the flesh are um, against the works of God and are going to be things like, like anger and the list in there in Galatians instead of righteousness. And if we're wanting to produce righteousness in our kids, we got to listen to James. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, Brando, I'm not the most scholarly of, of individuals, but if you go to that Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 passage, I would guess that that's not describing a um, someone who's in a covenant with Yahweh who goes to his family with a repentant heart, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, um, who has the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit at work, who is struggling with wrath and struggling with anger. Uh, again, I might be off there, but I just want to encourage you that in Christ there's there is new life, there's new creation, and there's hope, even in the midst of fits of anger and wrath that we all struggle with and deal with. And that it's not a hopeless situation, and I don't think Yahweh looks at you and sees mm-hmm. wrathful man. He sees saint bought by right. the blood of Christ, who's who's working out some stuff. Yeah. And I know that that can be, I'm not trying to downplay our sin, yeah. but uh, uh, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. of the spirit is gentleness and we can only receive that from the spirit we can we can't build that up within ourselves we could read proverbs all day long right but when we treat it as a list of things that we need to do right and i think james is very similar to me as as a, a proverbial more new testament proverbs um where it's just kind of like a list of things to avoid and a list of things to do better and if you read it going, here's my list of things I need to do better today, you're missing the point. You know, the wisdom literature is to fear God. These things are a fruit of fearing God. You know, this is that, that is the wisdom earned from a life in service to God and in fear of Him. And then with James, you know, he, he's giving us a, a list of, of, you know, of things that we need to do, but it is in light of Christ and his spirit in dwelling in us and producing the fruit. And that one of the fruit being gentleness, we have decreasing amounts of fits of anger and more gentleness as a result of that, not in our own work because we've read the Bible a bunch of times or see, read these verses and suddenly internalize it. It's because the spirit's working something in us to provide restoration and new life and constantly kill that old man that keeps rearing his head. And I think one day we will all be in perfection and all the fruit will be 
um, in its perfect form. But as we're being sanctified and we're working on it, I think that's it's helpful because as a father, as a bad dad, and we're working through these 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 problems. We're 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 killing that old man. The spirit is yeah. working through us and producing fruit, and we become more gentle as we continue to raise our children. They see that and they have hope for themselves. Because yeah, they may inherit some behaviors from you. They may or they may inherit from others, from kids in their you know in the playground or from a teacher or from somebody that wrongs them in their life. They they get scarred. They get broken. Um, sin mm-hmm. enters their life. Their own sin starts to develop, but it's the fruit of the spirit that will develop within them, provide restoration, and then they will have hope because they've seen it in us. Because in, when we're in devotion to God, when we are in service to Him and, and fear Him, and that spirit is developing fruit in us, that gives hope and guidance to our children that even dad, as bad as he is, is getting sanctified through Christ, and I can too, because I'm a broken kid, I'm a broken adolescent, I'm a broken teenager, and as we see our own father get better, not because of his own work, but because of Christ's work, it makes us want to do the same, and follow Christ, and get those those same fruits as, as they grow and they struggle. You're definitely on to something. Preach it. I, that's why I said earlier, I think if there's, even, if there's any redeeming factor, which... Uh, which I appreciated uh, Piper's article, and he, he said, you know, um, remember God is working it all for your good as you trust his future grace. So there's there's something in there um, that's that God is working even that uh, for good. And maybe the only good right now is that my kids get to see me regularly repentant and broken and, and seeking the Lord's help. Um, because they see me seeking God's help mm-hmm. daily um, and broken, yeah. really broken. I mean, um, yeah, you don't you don't destroy a sippy cup. Well, I should say uh, a man with the Holy Spirit <laughs> cannot break a sippy cup in front of his children in anger and walk away going, "Yeah, I'm glad I did that. Everything's cool." <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is- that yeah. is right. Man. Yeah, you walk away going, man, this is that was really not a good thing. I really am a mess. Maybe sometimes we're focusing too much on the anger itself. We've got another scripture here in James. Uh, at the end of James, it talks about what causes quarrels and fights among you. Is it not this? Is there passions that are a war within you? James is acknowledging that there's something underneath the the fighting and the rage. There's a desire under there. And I think um, recently I went through a really great um, webinar on um, overcoming anger. And one of the things that this guy was, was helping us think about was slowing down and thinking about, okay, what? What's underneath this right now? Because a lot of times anger is a um, it's an expression of a different feeling that's under there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I think you hit on, Matt, earlier, um, one of the things that I think anger comes out of me when my kids disobey because I fear they're going to just be rotten 
kids or rotten adults. And I, I'm, it's a fear. Like I get mad when they disobey because I'm afraid that they're going to turn out to be rotten people. And I really don't want that. You know, I want them to be righteous disciples. Um, um, and when they don't obey, I, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm screwing it up. I'm doing it wrong. I, I'm, I'm really bad at this, and I get afraid. And I get, uh, you know, and that's a... Uh, and then on the other hand of it, you know, uh, so a lot of times that's not the, the reason I'm angry. A lot of times the reason I'm angry is because there's another desire... And the desire is to be left alone or to <laughs> not be inconvenienced or to not to be uh, you know, disrespected to get to go to sleep. Yeah. And so yeah. um, my need, my want, my passion or whatever is not being met. And so I get mad. And um, what a selfish little hoodlum I can be, I guess. <laughs> Is that a good word? Hoodlum? I think that's, that's the, that's kind of the point of, I think where we're getting with, with the, with, with this topic is recognizing our expectations, being mindful of our desires, letting scripture guide us on recognizing within ourselves that our, the source of our anger is our sin in our flesh. It, it is from, it is from within us that we, we develop that anger, that bitterness, that coldness, um, because those desires and those expectations aren't met the ones that we have set. And so to, to dismantle it and replace it with gentleness is a work of the spirit and a renewal of our minds to recognize that have that cognitive awareness that, Okay, my my five year old is acting like a five year old. <laughs> it's okay. I uh, this does not mean when she is twenty five years old that she will have these same problems. She might, but God will do infinitely more work in her heart than I could ever do through the Spirit, and my. My input on that, if it's done out of anger, will not produce the righteousness of God, as James tells us. His righteousness will come from Him, from Jesus, from the Spirit. The fruit of what we're desiring from them will come from the Spirit. And so to do everything we can to fight it, and that might be awareness in the moment when things are, you know, really intense, or it might be taking a step away when we feel that anger welling up and having that quick assessment of what desire is going on in my heart right now that is against what the spirit is leading me to, to have gentleness. So we can recognize it and kill it right where, where it stands and avoid the temptation to, to have fits of anger. Question. Um, 
Jesus got angry, can't I get angry sometimes too? Isn't my anger sometimes justified and good? Yeah. I got to say, I have, I have said that in my mind and my heart many, many times of, you know, I'm just, I'm just table flipping angry right now. You know, like, <laughs> like, have you, you actually know? said that? That's incredible. Yes. Yeah. That, 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 I always, I, you know, I, I just have this image in my brain of this just super angry Jesus going through the temple and just flipping the tables and like, rah, and just, I'm so I'm so peeved, you know, <laughs> just like, just I am like, quite get peeved of, right get now. Get out of this. Yeah. Just get out of my temple. so mad you know? right now. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, you know, man. So, and I, but I totally, you, I totally use just, you know, just that little narrative as a way out to not identify those desires, to not, you know, try and kill the anger where it lies. And say, yeah. you know what? This is this is righteous anger. This is this is the anger of Jesus. I'm emulating him. This is temple anger. You know, I'm, I'm this is table flipping anger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are fallen people, and uh, the chances that our anger is righteous are pretty slim. Pretty slim. Yeah. Yeah, I think that passage in John 2 is probably the most common one when it comes to us as Christians and specifically us as dads thinking thinking we're getting away with having righteous anger, right? Our 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 kid does something wrong, so we get angry, but we're wrong we're angry at the sin, so it's okay to be angry and we kind of misinterpret verses like don't let the sun go down on your anger. Say, like, oh, well, I can be angry until the sun goes down. Yeah. So does that mean <laughs> does that mean Eskimos, like, or you know, people in the North or South Pole, like where the sun doesn't go down? They can be for angry. I mean, they can be angry all the time. Justified, <laughs> yeah, for like a month. Yeah, and so uh, it wasn't until it wasn't because I yeah I used to think all that as well, and like it wasn't until our church, um, our pastor Jonathan McGuire found this book by Carrie Skinner called The Heart of the Problem. And in The Heart of the Problem, he makes this um, this claim that even in the John 2 passage of flipping over tables, that nowhere in the text does it say Jesus was angry. And we're going through this book, and like, there's multiple people in the class, and, we're, and people are like, what? Of course he's angry. Look at what he does. And like, he, he gets a whip of cords and... You know, I'm convinced he's using that to get the animals out. He speaks sternly. He speaks harshly to the people. There's injustice taking place. And then if you look mm-hmm. back at the Mark 3 passage where it actually says the words, and I looked at a bunch of different translations, and it says, he looked around them with anger, but then it adds to, in my opinion, the most important part of that passage, grieved at their hardness of heart or moved mm-hmm. with compassion and then he heals the man and his hand or he has him stretch out his hand and he restores the man's hand and so in that case too there's this great injustice and perversion of God's law in these two situations where we we typically would say look at that's righteous anger and we can sometimes justify uh well if i can find something righteous enough to be angry about my anger is justified but like you said brando a minute ago uh, I I personally can't think of a time that I've been angry and it and it produced the righteousness of God within me. 
And if someone can say that they can do that and it produces God's righteousness, I would say you need to look at some of these verses, but I'd say I I don't know how. I just do not know how. And so I would I would suggest that if uh if someone is angry, uh it would have to be um the same level of anger would basically have to be matched with grief and sorrow for the lostness, for the brokenness, for the injustice that that, that person is witnessing, for it to be even um for you to even want to call it righteous in any way, because that's that's the heart of Christ. He didn't just um, flip over tables and just rage and scream at people or or uh, just just fly off the handle. That's not the anger that we see uh, if we see anger at all from our Savior. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That scripture, the the anger of man doesn't achieve does not produce the righteousness of God what yeah what are we hoping to produce with it um, I had the opportunity just today my kids were bickering in the backseat uh, my daughter has taken her new habit is hauling off and just smacking her big brother when she's mad at him and because uh, like today what happened I heard what was going on in the back seat? I heard my my son was being he was he took something from her that she was playing with and she wanted it back and he asked her to give it or she asked him to give it back. He just ignored her and was like being very mean and annoying about it and so she just hauled off and slapped him and I told her I said, "Look, he wronged you." He was sinning against you, but who's in trouble now for hitting their brother? You are. I said, your anger hasn't gotten the goal that you wanted it to achieve. Instead of me focusing on what your brother did that was wrong against you, now I have to focus on what you have done wrong against your brother. When if you would have controlled your anger and come at it calmer, I could have just addressed what he was doing and we could have walked, moved forward without the rage. And I've, and, and the reason why I was able to tell, talk to her about that is because I've been thinking about it for myself when they are disobedient and I fly off the handle and go crazy. Now, no one's thinking about their disobedience and how they need to change that. Instead. Now all the attentions on dad and his, weeping and apologizing and whatever. And so the problem that I was hoping to fix with my anger, which I wasn't, you know, consciously thinking this anger will fix this. Um, but the problem I was hoping to address wasn't, isn't fixed. It, in fact, it gets ignored and it gets sidelined and now the attention's on me and my anger. And so, yeah, the anger of man does not it doesn't achieve righteousness of God. It doesn't achieve anything. It doesn't achieve any of the goals that you're trying to use it for. So if we think we have righteous anger, I think uh, we're deceiving ourselves. It's probably not going to do us any good. Even if we think it's righteous, like it will probably just get the attention off of what we think is the problem and onto us and our anger. 
and that's really not helping anything. I want to um, give you a tip, and maybe this could be useful for others. Um, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, I've, I've applied this to patience quite a bit because um, I, I feel like um, Quest struggles quite a bit with, with patience. Whenever I get to the point where she is um, very obviously outside of of being very impatient and it's it's uh you know it's just gotten to kind of a ridiculous level my you can call it discipline or or whatever but i tell her go to her room and pray and ask god for patience because hmm. because he, he is the one that will give that to you and i'm i'm wondering if we could apply the same thing to gentleness and in those situations you know it's almost like a timeout but it's really a redirection of you need this thing right now. You need gentleness right now. And the only way you're going to get it is through God. So you need to go and spend some time with him and, and ask him specifically for gentleness mm. right now. And does that work because you've modeled praying with her? She kind of understands what that is so that it really is a refocusing and it's not a timeout. Like you said, I think that's a good point. If, if, uh, if you aren't, if you're not making prayer a um, just a ritual, and it really is a, a communication and um, and asking of God for things that we faithfully believe that will happen and that He will deliver, um, and that it's it's that kind of constant um, thanksgiving and um, requesting. That it may it may that it may be just perceived as discipline, and then they'll grow up hating prayer because they they keep they, daddy always <laughs> made me go pray whenever I was in trouble or something. But yeah, I, I guess the, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a good. You need to set some some examples and boundaries around it before just going off and sending your kids into a room to go pray, showing them what that looks like, why it's important, and why it actually is the only thing that's going to work to its most effectiveness because if you send them off on their own um, to go figure it out it may not have the best results hey guys thank you for listening to Abba Father you can connect with a like-minded community at facebook.com slash Abba Father podcast also take 30 seconds to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast if you find yourself applying or sharing anything we discussed today, please support us. We're busy dads with tight budgets just like you, and your support will help us keep making quality content and pay for this podcast hosting and other things. If you become a subscriber, you can have your own story shared, maybe become a guest and vote on some future content. So support us on patreon.com slash Father, or click the link in the show notes. And remember, dads, Romans 8.15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, we received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 